Hello, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Brett's Old Time Radio Show and welcome back to our home in beautiful Lyme Bay. We are definitely back in the UK now because we've left behind the clear blue skies and sunshine for something very grey and a bit on the chilly side. But look, we're going to be super positive about it and make the best of it. Thank you for joining me once again for, oh, I say thank you for joining me. I've got Lola who is curled up under my desk at the moment. So it's uh, thank you for joining myself and Lola once again for our regular late night visit to those dusty studio archives of old time radio shows right here at my home on the south coast of the United Kingdom. I'm Brett, I'm your host for our nighttime podcast. Welcome to another episode. I've got Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. They're all called Brett's Old Time Radio Show. Go check them out. We're going to be doing lots of little bits and pieces and we'll try and get lots of video clips and stuff on there because it is, of course, just days till Christmas. How could it possibly be so flipping close all of a sudden? But yeah, we've only got a few days to go with this being the 20th of December 2023. Another year is coming to an end. I hope it's been a good one for you. I think overall, it's probably been a positive year for us. Uh, We've got Lola the puppy and we've had lots of little bits and pieces that have sorted themselves out. So it's all good. But with it being a Wednesday, of course, it's time for another episode of Rocky Jordan. I've tried to find something that I thought might be, you know, I'm trying to find seasonal stuff at the moment. I'm trying to find some episodes that are going to fit with the time of year. Rocky Jordan, I can't find anything over Christmas, but this was an episode just after Christmas. It was first broadcast on the 5th of January, 1950, and it's called The Man from Damascus. Now we bring you a world of adventure with Rocky Jordan. On a narrow street, not far off Cairo's native quarter, stands the Café Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story... The Man from Damascus. Damascus, capital of Syria, population 300,000 or so. They say it's the oldest city in the world that people still live in. Well, I wouldn't know, but I do know there's a street in Damascus named the street called Straight. And I also know I once met a man from Damascus, but he was as twisted as they come. Go back to a hot Wednesday afternoon. Chris was at the bar serving up some arak, and I was standing at the front of the cafe looking out into the Cairo streets. That's when an old man dressed in a boy's postal uniform and riding a bicycle stopped in front of the tambourine. When he came in, he was carrying a wet envelope in his hand. Mr. Jordan. Yeah, it's me, Sonny. I have for the Mr. Jordan one special delivery letter. Would the Mr. Jordan sign his name on this line? Mr. Jordan would. I thank the Mr. Jordan. Yeah, here, Pop. Buy yourself an ice cube. Oh, Muto Shakir, Muto Shakir Effendi. It was a white envelope with some dirty finger smudges and a Cairo postmark. There was no return address. I looked at it for a moment, then tore it open. The first thing I saw, flat and crisp, was a pack of Egyptian pound notes. And I did a quick tabulation. One thousand Egyptian pounds, 
$2,500 American dollars. The clip to the money was a short note. Partial payment for services to be rendered, 1,000 pounds. I'm waiting for you at 16 Sharia El Nazar. Seven o'clock this evening will be fine. And it was signed, The Man from Damascus. Well, I don't take easily to somebody's bidding. If someone wants to see me, he comes to me. So I put the money in the safe, but figured that wasn't the end of the man from Damascus. Exactly seven o'clock that evening, I knew I had figured right. Rocky? Huh? What is it, Chris? Fellow to see you. Where? He's in your office. I tried to stop him. Oh, that's all right, Chris. I'm sort of expecting him. He's a mean-looking guy. You want me to come with you? No, no, no. I'll handle it. Take over the till, huh? Sure, Rock. Make yourself at home. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. It's for the good booze. Yeah, it's too rich for your taste, buddy. Put it down. All right. You know, funny, figured you different. Everybody in town says you are a right guy. Maybe you've been talking to the wrong people. What do you want? You. You have been talking to the wrong people. I'm not for sale. That thousand pounds is just a start, pal. There's more where that came from. Yeah, there always is. Now, come on, big shot. Button up your shirt. Seven o'clock, you got appointment. I can't make it. That's a mistake. Your money's in the safe. You can have it back. But that is not my instructions. Oh, so you're just a leg man. Something like that. You and me are working for the same man. All right, buddy, you're through talking. There's the door. Get away from that door, Jordan, or I'll pin you to the wall. Seven-inch blade, Jordan. Damascus steel. Got it? Yeah, I got it. All right, put the knife away. You'll cut your hand. I'll come with you if your boss wants to see me that badly. I wasn't going to argue with a seven-inch double-edged blade, especially the way that monkey was waving it in the air. Well, we left the tambourine, climbed into his car, and drove through the Cairo streets, out one of the city gates, ended up in front of a place called the House of Sand. Should have been called the pile of scrap, because that's what it looked like. But the knife man said it was a hotel. Two minutes later, my pal knocked on the door of room 12. Who is that? Jordan. He's come for the rest of the dough. You're taking a lot for granted, Buster. Quiet. All right. You may let him come in. Go on in, Jordan. Meet your new boss. I walked inside. My pal with a knife shut the door behind me and stayed outside. Then I saw him. The man from Damascus. He was tall and big, but I couldn't tell what he looked like. His whole face was wrapped in bandages. He reminded me of those pictures I once saw, the invisible man. Hello, Mr. Jordan. Nice of you to come. Sit down. Oh, I'll take it standing. Well, it is good to meet again. Is it not, Mr. Jordan? Again? You do not remember? But you should. Damascus, 1939. Well... Maybe it is my new appearance. I had a face then. What have you got now? Let us talk about Damascus. All right. You wish a drink? No, thanks. I just gave it up. Mr. Jordan, you wronged me in Damascus. I did? Yes, you wronged me most severely. So severely that I've never forgotten. And I said to myself that someday I would come for you. Well, I am here. Well, welcome to Cairo. Jordan, I am not just talking for pleasure. Are you sure you got the right guy? And do not try to tell me you do not remember. You're the right man and you know it. 
Well, you are fortunate, Mr. Jordan. How does that figure? I'm going to give you a chance to erase our difference and make a little money besides. You see, there is someone in Cairo that I want even more than you. So how do I figure? You are going to bring him to me. His name is Alec Zarko. Zarko? It's a pretty big order. I know. But I think you can do it. Police have had a dragnet out for two weeks trying to track him down. And I want to get him before they do. I think you can bring him to me. You know Cairo better than any man I know of. You know where a man like Zarko would hide and how to get to him. Sorry, friend, you got the wrong guy. Jordan. Jordan, listen to me. I would find him myself if I could. I just do not know Cairo. And I cannot go wandering around like this. I'm giving you a chance to square a dirty deal and make a little money on the side. I will double that thousand pounds and call off our little difference. What do you got against Zarko? He took something from me. What? My face. Oh. I want to find him, Jordan. I must. You do not know what it is to feel that you can never walk the streets again without a covering on the thing you once called a face. Well, what about it, Mr. Jordan? No deal. You got a private beef with Zarko. Keep it that way. Here, here's your thousand pounds back. Buy yourself another boy. I walked out of the house of sand. The knife man was gone. I found a taxi and headed back for the tambourine. Alex Zarko. Yeah, an all-around no-good guy. The Egyptian police wanted him on an attempted assassination and espionage work with an assorted killing or two thrown in. The police had all the roads covered, the trains and the flights out of the city. They figured they had him bottled up pretty well and it was just a matter of time before they bundled him. Well, back at the tambourine, I drew myself a beer, found a back table and did some thinking about the man in the bandages in the city of Damascus. What's up, Rock? Huh? Oh, nothing, Chris, just thinking. Say, do you ever hear me talk about Damascus? Damascus? Yeah. I spent nine months there working for an oil company. No, I don't remember you saying anything about it. Why? Oh, nothing. Just trying to bring back a little memory. Drop it, doesn't matter. Sure, Rock. I'll get back to the... Excuse me, gentlemen. You are Mr. Jordan? Yeah, that's right. May I talk with you, please? It will take but a moment. Oh, all right, Chris. I'll talk to you later. Sure, Rocky. Sit down. Thank you, Mr. Jordan. I did not wish to trouble you, but I found that I had no other course. My name is Sandra Mar, and I am from Damascus in Syria. Ah, you're traveling, and Cairo's on the grand tour. This is not a trip for pleasure. I am looking for someone. If his name is Alex Zarko, you get lots of company. No, his name is not Alex Zarko. It is Paul Mar. And he is my husband. Paul Marr. I don't know anyone by that name. You may not know him by his name, Mr. Jordan. But I am positive that you have met him. How do you figure that? Paul said he had some business in Cairo. He left Damascus four days ago with a man whose name I do not know. But he was the same man who left the tambourine with you earlier tonight. It is my belief that he took you to see Paul. Oh, I get it. I tried but I was not able to follow you through the streets of Cairo. So I have waited outside your cafe until you returned. I must see Paul. Would you take me to him? Nope. Oh. Would you tell me then where he is? Mr. Jordan, Paul's business, as he calls it, is trouble. So 
some terrible sort of trouble, I know. Well, you're right there. He's a fine man, Mr. Jordan. A wonderful man. But uh, things have not gone well since his face. He... he is in trouble, and I've got to help him. Look, he's got a revenge on, lady, with a guy named Zarko and me. There's nothing fine about that. Revenge? Paul? Oh, no, it must be something else. He's not that kind of a man. You don't know him very well. Well, it is true. We have not been married for long. Uh-huh. Look, why don't you just go back to Damascus and forget it, huh? You're in for trouble here. Something's going to happen. Where is Paul, Mr. Jordan? A place called the House of Sand. Out of the city, through the gate of the Bar El Nazar. The taxi will take you there. Oh, thank you, Mr. Jordan. I shall not forget the help you have given me. She walked out of the tambourine, and I hoped that that would be the last I'd see of her and the man from Damascus and Alex Zarko. How vain can your hopes be sometimes? Well, we rolled the last on-the-cuff customer out of the tambourine about 1.15 in the morning. Chris threw the lock on the front door, and I doused the lights. I'll just scoot out the back way, Rock. All right, Chris. Night. See you tomorrow. Rocky, look out! Behind the garbage cans. Vengeance, Jordan! Vengeance! Do you hear me, Jordan? Rocky, Quiet, you... Chris. Well, if you do and you are not dead, then I will come for you again! You're listening to The Man from Damascus, tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Tonight at 8.30, you'll hear The Miracle of America, a full hour of star-studded entertainment. Hear Jack Benny, Frank Sinatra, Diana Shore, Bing, Bob, and Gary Crosby, Joe Stafford, the Ronald Colemans, and many, many more top names in radio and motion pictures tonight on the special one-hour broadcast that starts at 8.30. The Miracle of America. And now, we take you back to Cairo and tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan, the man from Damascus. Well, after the man from Damascus threw those slugs at me, I took out after him, chasing him through the darkened streets. But it's easy to lose someone in the winding Cairo streets, and that's just what I did. I got back to the cafe tambourine about 45 minutes later, and Chris wasn't there alone. Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo police, was there too, waiting for me. Well, Jordan, so you've returned. Oh, hi, Sam. What brings you here this time of night? Uh, I phoned him, Rock. I told him. I thought you... All right, Chris. Uh, see you tomorrow. Sure. Good night, Captain. Good night, good night. Well, Jordan, I am waiting. Huh? Waiting for what, Sam? For you to tell me what this is all about. Well, you've nothing to say. Jordan, the man who shot at you from the alley called out vengeance. This much Chris told me. Therefore, I can assume that this man is after you for some hurt he believes you have inflicted upon him. Yeah, it's pretty close. What is this that you have done to him, Jordan? It's me, Sam. Jordan, how can you expect me to believe... I tell you, I don't know. <sighs> then I shall let that pass. Jordan, who is this man who shot at you? I'm afraid that's my business. I'll just handle it my own way. Jordan, now Stop I... worrying about it. You got your hands full with Alex Zarko. Then fear not. We will capture Alex Zarko. Tell me, has Zarko something to do with this shooting? If you mean, did he throw those slugs at me? No. I meant exactly what I said. 
Does Zarko have anything to do with the shooting? Maybe. Jordan, you are most exasperating. Just a little trick I picked up in my travels. Very well, I cannot force you to speak. However, I wish to warn you that if someone else is injured, some innocent party drawn into this private conflict of yours, I shall hold you responsible. Thanks, Sam. That's swell of you. No one will get hurt, except maybe that friend of mine. For your sake, I hope you are right. I would not wish to use my office, Jordan, to have you expelled from Cairo. I started out bright and early the next morning to see if I could find the man from Damascus. Stop number one was the house of sand, room 12. I pounded on the door. No answer. I rattled the doorknob and the door came open. I went in and I could see why no one had bothered to throw the lock. The room was empty. Paul Marr, the man from Damascus, had done a quick checkout. I moved down to the front desk to see if I could get a forwarding address. Sitting in a rocking chair, rolling back and forth, was a wrinkled relic left over from the days of the pharaohs. A chortling sound was coming from her throat, and then I saw why. She was reading a U.S. comic book called The Phantom Menace. Hey, lady. Hey, lady, you got a customer. Young man, you are observing an old lady being devoured by pleasure. <laughs> well, I'm certainly glad you're having fun, but could you give me a minute? <laughs> the Phantom Menace has captured Brick Braun. Trust him in wire and is dipping him head first into a barrel of pickled brine 100 times. <laughs> I am being consumed with joy. Well, if you can grab hold of yourself for a minute, you can earn a pound note. Oh, my laughter has suddenly left me. Oh, good. Look, I'm trying to get a forwarding address on number 12. That would be a short, fat man with a bald spot. A seller of flypaper. Oh, that'd be a big man with bandages on his face. A seller of death. Death comes higher than flypaper. Could you make it two pounds? I could. Alas, now that I find a fortune at my fingertips, I cannot claim it. What does that mean? I do not know where your friend is gone. And indeed, you are not the only one seeking him. A young lady came this morning. She said she was his wife. Where'd she go? I gave her room 10. She said she would wait to see if her husband returned. If you wish to see her, I can call her. No, 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 no. What time did number 12 leave? Six this morning. How? By taxi. I called one. Do you know the driver? Do I know him? A kill, but descendant of the evil dog. Look, he's got a name. Harley Amar. Residence 303, Sharia Shaman. Worth two pounds just to mention his name. Here, keep it. And thanks. Go back to your reading. I shall. I shall. I shall once again be the next to me. <laughs> and she did. I left her sitting there, wetting the pages, and looked up Holly Amar. It cost me two more pounds to open him up. Then all he could say was that he left Mar off at an all-night dive called the harem. So that was my next stop. A couple of hundred pounds of fat was pushing a wet rag over the counter in slow motion. A red-headed Englishman, deep in his cups, was throwing darts at a picture of a dame short of clothes. But what I was looking at was a guy at the end of the bar, tilling a bottle of beer. It was the knife man who had first taken me to see Paul Mar. I moved his way. He saw me and lit out for the back door. I took out after him fast. He took me through the backyard, over a fence, across an empty lot. I put a stop to the marathon with a flying tackle. Rolled into a mud hole. He reached for his knife, but I need him, and the fight started to go out of him. All right, all right. Where is he? Who? Come on, you know who. That Damascus friend of yours, Paul Mar. How do you know his name? It doesn't matter. What I want now is his address. 
Do not worry, Jordan. He will come to you. Yeah, well, I can't wait. Now give. My throat. Your name. The address? I cannot tell. We'll try a face full of mud then. Come on. All right. All right. I tell. 1042 Sharia Fakar. A small hotel by the name of Little Nile. Okay. I'm going to put you on ice at the tambourine. Chris will take care of you until I have a chance to talk to your boss alone. A little Nile was a termite trap on Sharia Fakar, and Mar was holed up on second floor back. I stood in front of his door a few moments later, listening, trying to catch any sounds from inside. I didn't hear a thing. I tried the doorknob easily. The door was locked, so I took a deep breath and kicked it in. First thing I saw in the darkened room was the figure sitting in a chair across the room facing the door. The second thing I saw were the bandages around his face, so I knew it was Paul Marr. The third thing I saw was the Italian-made gun in his hand pointing toward me. What has kept you so long, Jordan? Uh, sorry, I didn't know you were waiting. I would not advance toward me any more steps, Jordan. It is wise. Well, you have come. I had assumed that if I did not kill you last night, you would come to me. That saved me parading my conspicuous appearance through the Cairo streets. So you have found me. But unfortunately, I have the gun. You're not going to kill me here, Mar. Sabaya knows you're after me. You'll never get out of the city with those bandages. Hmm. You may be right, Jordan. Perhaps I will not kill you. My original proposition still holds. Bring Alexarco to me, and our little difference shall be forgotten. Well, I've forgotten it already. Jordan, I want Zarko. I want him more than I want you or anything else. Bring him to Ma. me. Sandra's in town. <gasps> Sandra? Your wife. She's in Cairo looking for you. She's at the House of Sand right now waiting for you to come back. No. I saw her. She came to me to ask about you. You know, she thinks a lot of you. She doesn't believe you're the kind of a guy who could kill me or Zarko, regardless of what he did to your face. Stop it, Jordan. Do not unnerve me. Do not attempt to change the subject. I want Zarko even more than you. I will let you go if you will help me. Here. I shall show you my good face by throwing my gun into the corner. That was a mistake, Mar. You know I can't help you. I told you once already, and it still goes. I'm not butting into any private feud. But I am, Jordan. Set. Well, you get around, don't you? I knew you well enough, Jordan, to realize that you would not allow someone to shoot at you and then forget it. So when you would not tell me who had done it, I knew, too, that if I followed you long enough, you would lead me to him. You always do. Look, Sam, this is a private thing between Ma and myself. I have told you once, Jordan, violence is not a private matter. I will not allow killing if I can help it. And I will not allow you, Jordan, or Mr. Ma to interfere with the police capture of Alex Zarko. Then you haven't got him yet. No, but I shall have him in time. Mr. Ma shall not. Mr. Ma, you will please remove the bandages from your face. What? I said that you will please remove your bandages. You better do it. Sam's not kidding. Very well. Very well, then I shall remove my bandages. I shall step into the light, gentlemen, so that you may see all. So that you may see what was once a face. I watched Paul Marr unwind the bandages, uncovering first what once was a chin, then the battered skin around the cheeks, the nose, over the forehead. 
Then I noticed his stare, a peculiar, hard kind of stare. Then I saw where it came from. A left eye that couldn't blink. There, gentlemen. There you have it. Now you can see why I feel as I do about Alec Zarko. I... I'm most sorry I had to subject you to this, Mr. Ma, but I still can allow a personal revenge to interfere with my execution of the law. It is customary in Cairo in affairs of this nature to use the following procedure. There is a train leaving Cairo for Alexandria in one hour and five minutes. You will please be on the train. Sam. And you, Jordan, shall remain in my custody until Mr. Ma has left the city. And what about Alex Zarko? He is and shall remain my problem. You have then one hour, Mr. Ma. I will meet you at the Cairo station to make certain you have boarded the train. Now you may put the bandages back on your face. Well, Sam and I left Paul Marr at the hotel and headed for police headquarters. We didn't talk much about Paul. There wasn't anything to say. I was still trying to figure out in my mind what I could possibly have done to him in Damascus, but nothing came. Seeing him or what was left of him stirred no memory. At headquarters, Sam had a few things to do, and so did I. I put in a call to the house of Sand and asked for Sandra Marr. Yes, this is Sandra Marr? Mrs. Marr, this is Rocky Jordan. Who? How did you know I was here? Oh, never mind that. There's something I want to tell you. About Paul? Yes, yeah, sort of. Throw your clothes in a suitcase and go back to Damascus. Oh, I thought you had some good news for me. I thought you understood. I will go no place without Paul. Well, you're not going to find him in Cairo. The police are moving him out. The police? But what have the police to do with Paul? Well, Paul will tell you that if he wants to. Now, go on. You've got a better chance of seeing him again in Damascus. But, Mr. Jordan... And see if you can keep him out of trouble, huh? Good luck. Well, that was that. All that remained was to see Paul Marr climbing the train for Alexandria and hope he could straighten himself out. Hope, too, that he and his wife, Sandra, would get together. Well, a little while later, I drove to the train station with Sam, still in police custody. There weren't many people there in the holiday afternoon, but standing near the end of the platform was the man we were looking for, Paul Marr. Sam and I walked up to him, and he glared at us through the slits in his wrapping. Well, Mr. Marr, you will be leaving Cairo in a few moments. If after a year has passed, you wish to return to our city, write me a letter explaining your reasons, and I shall see what can be done to make Cairo available to you once more. Mar nodded and climbed on the train and headed out of the city. Sam and I turned and started back to his car. That's when it hit me. I took off in double time. Josh, where are you going? For a train ride. I think you better come along. I chased down the platform and caught the train. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see Sam climb out of the train farther down the line. And I started through the cars, going from one to another, looking for the man in bandages. I traveled through four cars before I finally spotted him. When he saw me, I guess he figured what I had in my mind because he took off fast going the other way. But I kept right after him. The train had picked up speed, lurching us from side to side. Going around a bend, the momentum pinned him momentarily against his seat, and I was on him. This started working, and so did mine. We had ourselves a fine little fight there, rolling around the floor of the moving train. Sam Sabaya caught up with us and pulled a gun. Stop it! Jordan, you will please explain the meaning of this. Sure. Glad to, Sam. Have him take off his bandages. Take off it? But I do not understand. Have him take off the bandages, and I think you will. Very well. You will please remove the bandages, Mr. Marr. Uh, take them off, buddy. I'll take them off for you. Yeah, that's the stuff. Now, just a little more. Let Sam see who you really are. Uh, well, there you are, Sam. Not Paul Marr at all. 
but the guy you've been looking for for weeks. The guy who's been trying to escape your dragnet and get out of the city. Sam, meet Alex Sarko. Well, the whole thing came apart at the seams. It was all an elaborate plan of Zarko's. The police had him trapped in the city, and he needed a way out. So he got his knife man to dig up Paul Marr in Damascus and bring him to town. Then he had Marr, all wrapped up in bandages, create a fuss, like his revenge against me, which was strictly a phony. Nothing too serious, just enough to get himself run out of Cairo. Then Zarko takes his place, wraps himself in the bandages, and starts to leave, almost with a police escort. Would have worked fine, except for one thing. Mars' disfigured face and his left eye that couldn't blink. Zarko couldn't control his. Standing on the platform of the train station, he blinked his eye once. And that was once too often. Well, all that remained was Paul Mars' face and Sandra. Later, in Sabaya's office, we got to talking about that. Jordan, where do you suppose Paul Mar is now? The House of Sand. I told him Sandra was there waiting for him. You realize, of course, that I must send some men to apprehend him. Yeah. Uh, why do you suppose he allowed himself to aid Alex Zarko? Put yourself in his place. A face like his and a lot of desperation. He was working a business deal. Getting money any way he could. Figuring he'd use the dough on a plastic surgery job. That'd make him look like a human being again. Yes, quite so. You understand Ma will have a jail sentence to serve for aiding a criminal... Mm-hmm. And it may be possible for me to confiscate the money Zarko gave him. Sure, if you worked on it, you could possibly take the dough from him. That is, if you don't forget that he's got it. Jordan, are you suggesting that I deliberately allow myself to forget that a financial arrangement existed between Ma and Zarko? Mm-hmm. Could be, Sam. Jordan, I have always suspected you are an unscrupulous man. <laughs> sure I am. Remember the time I tried to sell that Monte Carlo swindler a half-interest in the tombs of Memphis? <laughs> uh, remember? No, no. No, I guess I have forgotten. Well, perhaps I'm getting old. My, uh, my memory is not what it used to be. Thanks, Sam. See you soon. <laughs> It's CBS again at the same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. Rocky Jordan, starring Jack Moyles in the title role with Jay Novello as Sam Sabaya, is produced and directed by Cliff Powell with original music composed and conducted by Richard Durant. Tonight's story by Adrian Jondo and Larry Roman. Larry Thor speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed our latest adventure with Rocky Jordan. And don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow with an episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers. That is definitely a Christmas episode, and I'm sure you are going to love it. It's called The Christmas Present, and it was first broadcast on Christmas Eve 1950. Don't forget, we've got a supporter page. You might want to give us a little bit of support and a bit of love around Christmas time. 
It's at patreon.com forward slash Brett's All Time Radio Show. Thanks for listening. I'll be with you seven days a week, each and every week, and I'll see you tomorrow on Brett's All Time Radio Show. Love you. Bye.